and welcome to the ArborPod Detective Dendro series. Today's guest is Sharon Lilly in the case of the Perishing Pines. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. It was a night much like any other night, but getting dark too early at 6 p.m. I sat at my desk in the cold, gloomy office, listening to my favorite Power of Stellar playlist for a lift, and thumbing through my dog-eared copies of The Tree Climber's Guide and The Arborist Certification Study Guide, both written by Sharon Lilly, prolific author and renowned mother of arboriculture. I was flagging passages Codet would be well served to reread. The books prove a wonderful resource for experienced and nascent arborists alike. I'd been on a health kick lately, but knew that even the superfood smoothie I was about to imbibe wouldn't help much with the stack of plant apples burying my bureau. After 40 years, they all seemed the same. Phytophthora, Cytospora, Chercospora, and Rust. Leaf rollers, leaf tears, leaf miners, and leaf hoppers. I was bone-tired, and I didn't know how I was going to face one more Ziploc bag of frass. Then something that had been slipped under my door caught my eye. A handwritten note with excessive slant and big round letters. Ah, a classic damsel in distress. It read, Dear Detective Dendro, I moved here from Nashville last spring, and although I missed the southern magnolias back home, I immediately fell in love with a tall, upright pine in my front yard. But now I fear it may be dying, and it seems like this happened practically overnight. Can you help me? Holly. P.S. My place is across from Sunnyside Park at 569 Songbird Street. Holly. How can a guy not come to the rescue of a woman with such an old-school means of contacting me? I decided to check it out first thing tomorrow. Maybe solving a good conifer case would get me out of my funk. The next morning, after my second cup of half-calf and a quick glance through my Twitter feed, I knew I had to get going, but felt a little trepidation about the case. I'd been around the block enough times to know that if you become complacent, you can get burned. In the front pocket of my jeans, next to the thumb drive I needed to deliver to code it, was the hand lens I'd been carrying for ages. It hadn't let me down yet. I donned my trench coat and boots to fend off the chill and set out to investigate the Tennessean's trying tree. As I took to the bike lanes, I thought about all the things that had seemingly died overnight. Never mind the six years of reduced twig growth, or the trunk cankers the size of small pachyderms homeowners managed to overlook. They all seemed to have died almost overnight. I arrived on Holly Street to find her residence was situated in a gated community, but a flash of my ISA certified arborist credential proved to the guard that I was legit. I turned into the driveway and spotted her in the middle of the front lawn, next to the pond. Her long, slender limbs brought to mind her cousin Dawn, but when I saw her knees, I recognized her right away. This was going to be an easier case than I could have hoped for. She was a magnificent specimen, she being the tree, of course, Taxodium disticum, the bald cypress, a deciduous conifer, and not a pine at all. The pieces fit. Holly had never seen her tree in the autumn, and was distressed to see the needles turn brown and fall off. This one was easy to solve, neither a digital archive search nor a hard lens needed. It did my heart good to relay the information to Holly. Your tree is perfectly healthy. What you have here is not a pine tree at all, but a bald cypress. I explained to Holly 
that a bald cypress is a slender, pyramidal conifer with soft, needle-like foliage in an alternate, sometimes appearing pinnately compound, arrangement on the stem. The rust-brown autumn color is considered an attractive feature to those who understand the tree is not dying. Cypress knees, woody projections growing nearly vertically from the roots, develop when the tree grows near water or in swamps. Their function is not fully understood. An early assumption was that they helped provide oxygen to the roots in the low dissolved oxygen waters typical of a swamp, acting as nematophores. Mangroves, rhizophora, have similar adaptations. Field and laboratory tests over the years have mostly disproved this hypothesis, but it keeps popping up in introductory botany textbooks. A more likely function is that of structural buttress support and stabilization for cypress trees growing in wet, swampy, soft soil conditions. Lowland or swamp-grown cypresses tend to be buttressed and need, as opposed to cypresses grown on higher ground, which don't develop knees. Bald cypress, not a true cypress, is not the only deciduous conifer. Its less common cousin, the dawn redwood, Metasequoia glyptostriboides, has similar form and needles, although it can be distinguished by its opposite leaf arrangement. Larches, Larix species, and false larches, Pseudolarix species, are also deciduous conifers. Holly's identification of her bald cypress as a pine was not surprising, and I didn't want her to feel silly. I feel silly, she said. Don't, I said. Homeowners often refer to any conifer as a pine. I shared with Holly that pines have needles that grow in bundles of two, three, or five, surrounded by a fascicle sheath. Experienced arborists are quick to investigate further into the identity of perishing pines before diagnosing a case. Well, I still feel silly. How can I thank you? She asked. Well, it's a nice day for a bike ride, and I hate to ride alone. Care to join me for a tour of Sunnyside? I paused to tweet out one further note to the cautious arborist as a tip for my followers. Even evergreen conifers lose their needles. Hashtag normal needle drop. But the details of that case are for another day. In the meantime, I think I got my swagger back. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Arbor Pod Detective Dendro series. You can earn CEUs for this podcast. Just log in at the ISA store, click on online CEU quizzes, and find the Detective Dendro quizzes. Stay tuned for the next ones. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. Arbor Culture.